Deconstruction doesn't have to mean destruction. Yeah, that's good. It's a deconstructing for the purpose of reconstruction. Get to that third step. It can be a beautiful part of growth. And I think that's why you mentioned doing it in community. If I'm going to start deconstructing my Bible, well, I better know what the heck I'm doing and not just base all that on, you know, a YouTube video of pulling boards apart. I should probably do that in community and, and then know what I'm going to do with the pieces. Hey, friends, welcome back on to The Walk. Our desire is for this to be a place where we can answer honest questions, have candid conversations, talk about hard issues, and walk alongside one another as we explore how spirituality fits into real life. Today, we're joined again by Ben Kacharis, the lead pastor here at Mountain Christian Church. Today's episode covers the topic of deconstruction. And before we begin, I just want to set up this conversation for us. First, we don't want to be a church that ignores what's going on in the world. We want to join in the conversation. It is our desire to create a space where it's safe to talk about hard things, that there's not a topic that we want to push out of the church, but we want to be thoughtful and honest about all of this stuff right where we're at. We recognize that depending on your story, this can be a difficult and maybe a sensitive topic. We're grateful for you tuning in, and we just want to honor that you may have your own experience with deconstruction. So by no means is this conversation an exhaustive, concise program for how you should think about this. We just want to come alongside you and wrestle through this stuff together in a way that is real and honest and thoughtful. And this is one of the ways that we're able to do that. I hope you're encouraged by this conversation with Ben. Let's dive in. Well, hey, friends, welcome on. I'm sitting across from Ben Kacharis right now, our lead pastor. Many of you know his face or I guess his voice. And if you don't know, Ben is the lead pastor of Mountain Christian Church here, part of our community. And we kind of just want to sit down and have a conversation around this deconstruction thing. Have an honest conversation, I think, about it. I hope... Hope it's helpful and good for you all who are listening. Looking forward to getting into this. So Ben, this is kind of like, it's been a hot topic, I guess, for yeah. at least maybe the last five to six years. And I know you've probably, it's one of those buzzwords, right? Like people have talked about it in a lot of different ways. I don't know. What are you, what are you seeing when this, yeah. when, you, when you hear this word deconstruction, it comes up, what are you, what yeah, are you feeling? Yeah, deconstruction. It just feels like uh, it's a word that's been applied to the phenomenon that we've all seen, maybe felt personally or know that a lot of people seem to be just asking some tough questions about, particularly this happens in the realm of faith, which is why we're talking about it, but asking tough questions about things that they've always kind of assumed to be true about Christianity, about Christian faith, mm -hmm. and are rethinking those things, uh, like maybe the certain way I grew up understanding the Bible or doubts about some of the traditions that Christians have or the way that they do things. And so as I begin to question some of those things, I begin to sort of say, oh, maybe I don't want, I don't know if that's really part of it, or maybe that, I don't like that. And so we kind of decouple some of that from our faith and try to, and that process has just completely been labeled deconstruction. The idea is that, you know, then you would be able to sort of say, how could this get rebuilt, reconstructed in a way that maybe was more accurate or helpful or 
truthful or more of the way of Jesus. That's that's kind of, I think, the idea of deconstruction. Yeah, I can speak to that. Like a lot of even people kind of my age and younger and even older, it seems like it doesn't discriminate. Like a lot of folks, I think in the last couple of years are kind of working through this. A lot of times you hit the age of developing, your, your mind is developing, you're 21, 22, and we're like figuring out what we believe and what we really, really value. It's sort of like, it is a thing, I think, for young people a lot. They're kind mm-hmm. of getting to that point where they're really starting to take seriously, what do I value? What do I think? That's oftentimes, it seems like, right, where the, the deconstruction thing comes, yep. comes into play. There's something about our time that makes going through a process of deconstruction even more challenging because a lot of people are doing it in public and a lot more maybe loud about it, or it's kind of a more well-known thing. So I think part of that, what you mentioned is kind of what contributes to it being really difficult to define what deconstruction is, right? Because you have a thousand different people going through it in different ways for different reasons. Yes. And it's kind of made it, would you say it's kind of like maybe even cloudy, a cloudy, Uh, confusing thing to figure out what it is? Because of the different reasons, like you said, Mm -hmm. not to over-spiritualize it too much, but from my vantage point, it looks like some of it's kind of God-driven, like a healthy sort of like grow past that toxic community you grew up in Mm -hmm. and get to a pure, more beautiful, real version of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And others, it feels more like I I have more progressive ideology at this point, and I don't know, I I think I'm just going to walk away from some hard things that maybe I don't know what to do with. You know, at the same time, I, I, you know, the the church where I serve here at Mountain is filled with people who I would say have gone through what I would call pretty healthy deconstruction. You know, they were like, you know, I grew up with this certain way of looking at things. I have come to believe, I don't think any of that was really part of the original Christian message. I don't think it's who Jesus was. Mm I think it was just the way that my church didn't even realize they were, you know, kind of tying all this stuff to the faith. But I'm rejecting all that now. I'm deconstructing all that. But they've kind of like come back with this, you know, robust, beautiful, legit, orthodox Christianity that's actually kind of closer to what it was way back, you know, centuries ago. And they would call that deconstruction as well, you know, with a healthy reconstruction to follow. So I think that's part of what makes it fuzzy is like, sure, it's a process that for some people it's like leads them to a place where like I'm out and other people it leads them to a place where like I'm deeper in yeah. and, you know, right there. So we don't even know if it's a good or bad thing sometimes. Right, sure. So that's maybe part of why it's confusing. Yeah, it is confusing. Just like you mentioned, it's one of those words that can mean a billion different things, but you kind of know it when you see it and definitely when you're going through it. Right. I know we've done a little bit of this already, but like, what exactly is, like if we were to define deconstruction, define it and maybe like where did it come from? Maybe why mm-hmm. is it happening right now? Yeah. It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Well, that's going to have to be, the why is it <clears throat> happening now will be for some finer, more astute student of culture than mm-hmm. I. We've kind of touched on a couple of those things maybe. I think mm-hmm. we live in a time when lots of stuff, tectonic plates of assumptions in massive ways are shifting and changing in our times. Mm -hmm. Things that have always been kind of stable and stationary for a generation or two or three have a way of moving every 70, 80 years in society. And they're moving right now. And I don't think we've, we know what the next version of American existence and even global existence is going to look like. We're not there yet. We're in this weird shift. And so, you know, from, from, you know, absolutism and, and, you know, objective truth to relativism to, you know, a completely different shift in in moral and ethical foundations and political kind of thinking in, you know, economic changes. And mm-hmm. and this is so I think in, in that environment going on around us, it kind of makes sense that faith would also be undergoing a pretty massive sort of mm-hmm. like questioning, like, is this thing going to work in the new 
modern world that we are, you know, entering into. So I think some mm -hmm. of that is is just part of the the zeitgeist, if you use that word, like to say, you know, the times that we're living in. You know, the simple definition I think would just be a challenging of assumptions and a questioning that leads a person to try to take apart or deconstruct things that, you know, the nails have gone in fairly firmly, but can we pull those nails apart and deconstruct this thing down to its elements and rebuild it in a way that looks right and works better? I think, I don't know, I just made that up. I, that might not yeah. be a bad way of getting at it, but yeah, so mm -hmm. I, I think that that's, that's, I don't know. What do you think about the culture? Because you're a student of culture. You read a lot and you look around. Do you think there's other things that kind of are contributing to the the general disillusionment and disappointment that's kind of behind some of the deconstruction? Yeah, that's a good question. I think you named it. I think we're in, I would use the word maybe like an unstable or unsteady time. The future maybe looks a little fuzzy or confusing. Mm -hmm. We're in a moment of shifting in a lot of ways. I think you use that word. and yeah, deconstruction is this thing. I'm not surprised that it's happening <clears throat> right now because especially among young people, like we have grown, all we know is like an unsteady time. You know, I was born. You're the 9-11 baby. In 96. Right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I grew up as a kid and it was like, yeah, the wake of 9-11 and a war in the Middle East and the recession. And then you've got 2016 and 2020 and political stuff and COVID-19 and division and anger and all that stuff. And so war and all of it. So we're looking out on 26 now and we're young people are looking out at the future and thinking like, you know, where is the world headed? Like wh who can we trust to lead us into the future? So we're, we're a little bit, yeah, I think on the whole, probably a little bit skeptical about all things. And I think that contributes to faith too. It's kind of this whole generation of people maybe who are looking back and re-examining what we grew up with. Like, is this really something I want to keep as I move forward into whatever's next in my future? And so- That's really good. And I, you know, it's probably important just to be really honest here too, even though you and I both wear a pastor hat, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, find our feet in, in a Christian community to have any integrity, we've got to admit that a large part of this is is because of disappointment and disgust with people looking at Christians and looking at the church and sometimes going, well, gosh, if that's what it really is, I don't know if I want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not a church basher. I, I really think the church is, is, is a cool thing. We have such a cool community here to, to say, look, look what it can be. But, but we also got to be honest and just say a lot of this the negative side of deconstruction, because that's not all negative, we'll get to that. It can also be born out of a hunger for something pure and beautiful, mm -hmm. but it can also be born out of just like disgust and like, you know, this, if that's what it means, I mean, so you talk about all the shifts in culture. Well, simultaneously, what, you know, an outside observer looking at the American version of the church would have a very mixed bag, you know, and what gets the highest profile, what gets the news, is pastors flaming out, running off with somebody, or sex abuse scandals in the Catholic Church, or you know, just or some some minuscule, but then becomes high profile story mm -hmm. of of some youth pastor who does some idiot thing, or or somebody who believes some ridiculous thing that doesn't square with science at all, but in names that well, that's what we got to believe because we're mm -hmm. Christians, and and a bunch of people latch onto that, and then you know, 
the conspiracy theory kind of version of Christians or whatever that gets this high profile. And so we live in a time when fewer and fewer people actually know a bunch of Christians mm -hmm. and fewer and fewer people just kind of go to church because they're American. So what do they see? They see they see Ned Flanders, they see, you know, whatever version mm -hmm. of Christian around them. And so there's that in the water. And so if you are a Christian in the middle of that, and maybe you grew up in one of those churches that, that you know, you kind of come to one day realize, wait a second, this isn't even healthy. Mm -hmm. This controlling environment or this, the way they're bundling politics in here with this, mm -hmm. that doesn't feel like what I'm reading in my Bible. Or wait a second, the way that, you know, they, they treat people who don't toe the line around here, that's not, that's like unhealthy. Or the way they make these legalistic rules that I don't even find in my Bible but the way they judge it, you know, all of that kind of stuff is kind of, you know, we use the phrase church hurt sometimes because mm -hmm. people get, can get actually really, really hurt by the church. And you couple that with a wider society that tends to look askance and judgmentally at Christians. Mm -hmm. And now you've got a Christian who's like in their own church kind of feeling like, geez, I don't know if I like this either. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's no surprise that we've got something we're trying to define right. as deconstruction, you know, based on what's going on. That's really good. There are a lot of different reasons why folks would kind of walk through a journey like this. But yeah, I think a huge part of it is, right? You're kind of looking out and man, everything. Yeah, a lot of what I see just publicly on social media and stuff is is very much that way. So it's like, yeah, why, why would we even blame yeah. folks for even questioning and rethinking a lot of these things? You mentioned this, so I want to like move us forward here because I think this is a really interesting question that we haven't gotten into totally yet. Deconstruction, is it good? Or is it bad? Is it good or bad? <laughs> As you if know, it were that, <laughs> that simple, probably. Yeah. Well, part of me wants to say, well, look at, let's look at the fruit, mm -hmm. you know, and that maybe, maybe we'll get to that too. Like, what's the fruit? Follow the path down a little bit. When someone goes through this process, what's the end result? Like, what's the product of it? The, the, what, what happens in their life? What, what happens in, if everyone was like that person who has deconstructed, would society be better or worse? Would the church be purer or sicker? You know, so... Mm -hmm. And I, and I think when you follow that, it's it's a mixed bag. It is a mixed bag. And so the answer, if you're trying to be simplistic about your question, is it good or bad? You'd have to say yes. <laughs> you'd have to say sometimes it's good and sometimes it's it's bad. Now, when, when it's good, when is it good? I think when it's good, it's it's understood as a kind of inevitable part of growing up. A sort of natural process of maturing. Deconstruction, it, properly understood in a healthy way, would be like step two of a three-step process. So step one is we have we inherit something that we have constructed either for us or we construct ourselves. That's step one, the building of our faith, the assumptions that we inherit, the traditions we, we have handed down to us. The things that we learn and accept, that's step one. It's the construct, the building itself. Step two is when we begin to say, no, wait a second, and uh, sift through some of that and say, I think there's some that needs to stay and some that needs to go. We, we begin to unlearn some stuff or to, to grow, if we say this, this positively, to grow past some of it or to think, I don't, I don't know that that all really works anymore. And, and it leads you then with fresh clarity and hopefully more truthfulness and integrity to then reconstruct something that's more beautiful, robust, mm -hmm. and legit at the end. That's that third mm -hmm. step is the reconstruction. Um, so 
when that happens, I think it can be a very healthy thing, and I would say even very normal. And versions of Christianity that are afraid of like, don't ask any hard questions, don't mm. go through any kind of re deconstruction because they perceive it as a threat, are usually not very healthy, strong, robust versions of Christianity. We're sure. just kind of like, la, 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 monk, you know, just close your <laughs> eyes and your ears. I don't want to think about any hard questions. We're just going to believe in Jesus. It and, kind of like stunts the yeah. developmental process that you just mentioned, right? It's like, yeah. how are we going to fully reach that process of maturity and development back to reconstruction if we kind of get stuck in that? Like, yeah. no, we don't want to ask any questions. We're not. It's a version of faith that, that doesn't really believe. It, it's actually a weaker version of faith because it doesn't mm -hmm. actually believe that it can stand up to scrutiny. Totally. Doesn't believe that it's actually capital T truth behind it all. So there were, we're scared to death. It's that our faith is somehow this big house of cards. And if I, if I dare to ask a tough question that I might not know the answer to, it's like pulling out the bottom card and the whole thing tumbles down. Mm -hmm. And so we don't even allow it. And then we just sort so, so, but when we say rather, wait a second, I have a really important question that's in my soul and I want to know the answer to it, or this doesn't sound right to me. And I ask that question. And then I discover at the end of the day that this powerful, robust, towering, beautiful body of Christ that Christ <laughs> instituted, mm -hmm. you know, at the beginning of the time is like, it's got some warts and moles and wrinkles, but man, it, it, she's beautiful at the end and she still stands. Now I've got something really, really beautiful to hang on to at the end. And that, so is it positive, Renee? Is it good or bad? I would say it's, it's really, really good when a person says, wait, I'm going to kind of strip out some of the more, you know, naive parts of my faith or the parts of my faith that were only part of that unique tradition or what my mama said that isn't even in the Bible. And I'm going to have a more mature, robust, strong faith. That's not the same as saying I'm smarter than the Bible and now I have a version of my own faith. Sometimes some of the most profound things we hang on to are simple. They're just not simplistic. You know the difference? Sometimes the most profound things we do hold on to are simple. You know, Jesus loves me. He's pretty simple. Turns out that's the thing you really do hold on to yeah. as well. It's just not simplistic. So when it's negative, Gil, it feels to me is when we get stuck in that second stage and we never really rebuild. Sure. Or we just, or what we rebuild is something that doesn't seem to me like it's where, you know, what are the fruits of that? Like what's that person's life like? So we, we, have, this, we have this cabin up north that uh, you're going to come to someday with me and hang out with our family. And you won't be able to appreciate it fully because it's reconstructed now. But sure. we went through a pretty, <laughs> a pretty gnarly reconstruction sure. process. So we, we had this thing. It was, already, it was already pretty good, but there were some things about it. We could see how it needed to be different. It was like, ah, that's not going to work at all. Too many people and all this stuff that needed to come in and stay there. So in that process, we actually tore the roof off, most of the roof of this one part of the house, so that we could reverse the gable and push the wall out a little bit and put a new floor in. And it's an open floor plan, took all these walls out inside. If I stopped there, you know, and just said, isn't it amazing? I got rid of that old ugly roof, you know, <laughs> and I got all this space now. It's awesome. It's, it may feel good for a little while, like I'm all free, but the moment it rains, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I think it's so great after mm. all. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, I almost feel like deconstruction can be the bad side when we like we feel good that we've torn something down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't believe that anymore. You know, I, I'm too smart for that. Or, you know, I don't, I don't mean to make, it, make light of it, mm -hmm. but I mean, like, if we tear something down, but we never replace it with the new roof, we never, we never kind of say, what is, in fact, worth building my life on or worth thinking, believing, and acting according to? I think when it rains and life rains, 
were left lonely and not in a better place. So mm -hmm. the answer to the question maybe just depends on who's drive, what's driving the deconstruction. Is it a quest for truth? Is it God-driven? Is it just out of an unhealthy angst that I have because I've had a negative experience with some believers, some a Christian, a church, or you know, something that I've been, that I believe. Mm -hmm. So I think those might be the drivers. You mentioned just some of like the way faith communities, just churches have reacted to this sort of thing. And I'm interested to know, I think a lot of people are probably curious, even people who are walking through this sort of thing. Like if I'm going through a process of deconstruction, do I have to like leave the church to do that? Like, is that something mm -hmm. that I have to do outside of church? Yeah. Well, I think the answer might really depend on the local church that you are a part of. And we might even here appeal to the differences between the word church, if I use it with like a capital C, referring to this global group of people who say, I, I believe in Jesus, or a local congregation cluster that might be 50 people or 100 people or 7,000 people, whatever. That's a local small C church. And some local small C churches, as we mentioned, probably aren't that comfortable with asking these kind of questions or would perceive it as unfaithful. And I suppose there's a way to do deconstruction that does just like to kind of mess with people and create a scene. And I know people actually that are part of our church today that have been kicked out of their churches because they were perceived as threats. They asked mm -hmm. too many questions. They had things about science in their brain that they couldn't, you know, they wanted to know how it fit with their faith. And, and the way they asked the question seemed to be like, well, then you aren't, you know, you're not welcome here. Or their moral behavior was outside the lines of the faith and the church just, their answer was to boot them out or mm -hmm. someone got a divorce and it's like, well, you can't have communion or whatever it was. So some churches probably know. I, I think what, what you and I are, are enjoying here, Gil, is the kind of community that says, you know, it's safe. Mm -hmm. It's safe. And of course, it's exactly the place that all of us can be completely who we are with everything, all the questions before Jesus and like, don't have to kind of go ask him quietly in a corner and then come back to him with a smile on our face, you know, not dare telling him what we talked about, mm -hmm. but we're, we're going to be like right up in Jesus' face, like, okay, wait a second, what gives? I kind of picture Nicodemus is an old guy in the Bible. He was like a, he was a Hebrew Jewish scholar, you know, he was deeply steeped in the Jewish faith, but he kind of comes to Jesus at night and he's got like, I got some questions. And, and Jesus is like, you got to undo some things. In fact, you got to totally, it's going to feel like you're going to get born all over again. He's like, this is not a little change. Just, you need to reconstruct some things. And I like to think that Nicodemus later, you know, became a follower of Jesus because he reconstructed a beautiful home there to, to live with. But, That's right. He walks away all confused and yeah. he's like, I don't know what to do he's with like, this oh, Jesus no. thing. And I got to go back into my meeting where all yeah. these guys hate Jesus, but I think I really liked him, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. he's got living in that tension in that deconstruction for a while. Right. So do you have to leave your church? My hope would be no. I think that it's far better to to have a kind of community that just says, we're here because we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, a lot of us have unanswered questions. I got unanswered questions. You do. There's some messy stuff to this faith, but, but we do it together in community. You know, we, I, I, know, I love what you're doing with, with the young adult community here at Mountain. And I think part of the reason it's growing and there's so many people attracted to it is that it's like, it's safe. It's not like, oh, I have to be kind of one of these sort of, you know, Get, give me the profile of whatever version of Christian I think I'm supposed to be. And if I'm totally. that, I can join the group. But no, it's like, hey, 
I'm, I'm, I'm in the age demographic, so I'm in. And that means I can bring with me my baggage, my questions, my frustrations. And I'm going to meet with people who are like totally reconstructed already. I'm going to meet with people who are in the process of that. I'm going to meet with people that are probably like just starting, you know, mm-hmm. or not even maybe even asking questions at all. And, and that all of that together got honors and, and it's a good thing. So yeah. I would say let's, let's create communities where it's safe. Yeah, it's been really fun. I will say just to speak to that, like it's been really cool to see that exact thing happen. Just like folks from every, every walk of life and different questions and opinions and politics or whatever, like whatever your thing is that you're bringing into the room, like it's just really beautiful, not just with young adults, but Mountain as a whole. Like it seems like it's just something's been cultivated here where it's just a space where it's just like you're you're good you're safe to bring yeah whatever that is into the space and let's let's wrestle through it together let's go through and, it together and yeah and all through it's the cool. bible you find examples of that you know in the church itself the early christians had this thing where they all came out of the jewish community and a lot of people were really struggling with do we let these new non-jews into the church and some people were like well, no heck no mm-hmm. And then God kind of had to intervene and help them deconstruct. You know, Peter was one of the staunch ones. He's like, no way, I'm not doing that. I know I'm serving, I'm on the right, I'm serving God here. And God had to kind of say, no, no, no. And then by the same token, later, they got so convinced that you had to add the Jewish stuff in, you know, like to be circumcised or whatever. Some of the Christians mm-hmm. needed to be kind of, Paul is, is himself now saying, I consider all that other stuff garbage compared to just mm-hmm. holding on to the Jesus part. And he's trying to convince them you don't have to be like bundle up all of this other stuff with it. Mm-hmm. So there's examples of, I'm saying, of deconstruction. Even in the Bible, sure. so often Paul himself was this rabid Christian who was marching up to kill, I mean, excuse me, rabid Jew who was going up to kill mm-hmm. all the Christians because he he thought he was serving God doing that. His version of faith was constructed around anti-Jesus stuff. And God had to kind of say, wait, no, you need to rethink all this. And he had to hold on. He held on to all of the stuff about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God working through history, but he, he had to add in the Jesus stuff and, and reconstruct mm-hmm. a new faith. And I, and I think, so where would we be if we kind of like, well, we don't do that anymore, you know? So even the Bible itself has a kind of, shows us that growth is, is progressive and and dynamic and that we evolve. And I even think of the think of the Bible itself. Like there's parts of the Bible that they want to clearly say to us. I'm gonna go on a limb here. This might, you know, somebody's gonna did not like this, but they're gonna say, like, okay, so the book of Deuteronomy basically says, it's the Old Testament says, follow, follow God. If you do this, God's gonna do that. And if you, if, you know, if you're good, you're going to get rewards. And if you're bad, it's not going to go well for you. It's like a gumball machine. Exactly. The book of Proverbs is like, by and large, doggone it, this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. You work hard, you're going to, it's going to go well for you. Follow God, your life's going to be better. You don't, watch out. And it's, that's all true. Okay. But, you know, but then you also have like Ecclesiastes come by a little bit later and just go, you know, doesn't always work that way. That's right. In my experience, I did a lot of the right, you know, I got some of the Psalms peeking in there, looking in and going, you know, I did all the right stuff and my life sucks right now. Mm-hmm. So God, what gives, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, so, but the Bible says, let all that voices in. Don't like censor that out. Don't cut it out of your Bible. Leave yeah. it all in there because that's real. That's life. That's faith. And at the end of the day, you reconstruct a faith. It's like, okay, this over here with the Proverbs, it's still largely true. It's not like it's not true. It's yeah. just that we know now it's also there's more to life. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's what you do when you grow up. Mm-hmm. You, you 
assimilate and you integrate and you synthesize all of what is real into a new reality. That's mm -hmm. reconstruction. And and that that's when it can be a good thing. That's really, really good. A lot of us don't even think about it that way, right? That even the, the even the biblical authors, like we have a collection of people who wrote texts that are inspired and from God and all that stuff, but are bringing all those questions and doubts and all that stuff. Think of Job and Ecclesiastes and the New Testament, right, is like this movement of, in a lot of ways, Jesus started this movement of, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would call it deconstruction, but it's like this. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it felt like it to all the Jews, right? you know? Yeah. So it's cool. I mean, he it's, wasn't telling them to throw everything out. Right. They were, they were going to read the same foundation, but we got to take the roof off here and then put a new one on with a skylight in a new direction. And yeah, it's a good analogy. Deconstruction doesn't have to mean destruction. Yeah. That's good. It's a deconstructing for the purpose of reconstruction. Get to that third step. It can be a beautiful part of growth. And I think that's why you mentioned doing it in community. If I'm going to start deconstructing my Bible, well, I better know what the heck I'm doing and not just base all that on, you know, a YouTube video of pulling boards apart. I should probably do that in community and, and then know what I'm going to do with the pieces. That's really good. I think about that too, because I, like a lot of us who are maybe... If going through a process like this that we would call deconstruction or not, the easiest thing to do is to like just hit, yeah, hit TikTok or the Instagram reels or whatever. Like there's so many people who are publicly doing this, as you said, who are like started these communities where they're teaching people how to deconstruct and what to hang on to and what not to. And, you know, I think it's, it's really easy to just deconstruct with like my AirPods in listening to a podcast or yeah. scrolling through TikTok or that sort of thing and not really fully give myself to this full process of what it means to come out yeah. on the other side with a robust faith. You know, I'll play my cards. I, I think that, I think the best kind of reconstruct, I mean, again, you know, part of me realizes the Pandora's box we could be opening when we say, hey, deconstruction can be a good thing because, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the, with the wrong motives or someone who's not really willing to kind of submit to the authority of scripture from my vantage point is going to end up like, well, that's hard. I'm just going to deconstruct that out. I'm just going to get rid of the parts. Any part of Jesus that sounds weird to me, I'm going to assume I know more than he does. And so I'm going to get rid of that part. Or if it's hard, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to it. And I would say that just might be, you know, a kind of unwise way to go at it. I think, I think again, you got to look at the fruit, like what, what has stood the test of time, what, what parts of, what can be unbundled from Christian faith that needs to be unbundled. I think, for example, you know, we use that analogy of bundling. Mm -hmm. I was telling you about my, like my cable plan. I, I don't, I don't want to watch a bunch of stuff. I want to watch tennis and football. But when, the, when I buy, when I pay my bill, I look, I got all these other channels, you know, I got. HGTV and, you know, CNN and Fox. And I don't want all that. I don't even watch that stuff. Can I just get the, I, I actually call them up. Can I just get tennis channel? And, you know, the NFL, no, 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 you can't do that. It's all bundled together. And I think there are people that are like, there's all this stuff that gets bundled in with my faith because of the church I grew up in. It's like, do I really have to also think about masks and vaccinations the same way my pastor does and that he preaches about? Or do I got to think about politics or immigration or these social issues, you mm -hmm. know, that are important that, that we now preach from, from our pulpits, it seems like some pastors do, or, or do I have to think the same way you do about science and Christian? Because I don't know that I look at creation exactly the way you do. 
Does that mean I, is it really bundled in? And what, what is happening is some are saying, I don't want some of that. So I'm walking away from the faith mm-hmm. and I walk away thing, from yeah. the capital C church when really what I might need to do is just find a community, a small C church where it's like differences <clears throat> of opinion on those kind of things are, are allowed or that are a little more in sync with where you are. Yeah. So you, you can unbundle, I can't remember where I was going with this, but the unbundling is important and, and it's okay to do that. And it's part of, it's part of what growth is. And that, in fact, that's one of the, the church itself is always, Jesus is calling us by his spirit. The church should be the first ones to say, we need to get better and yeah. reform and be reborn ourselves with a purer, better version of ourselves. And there's probably some stuff that we've bundled in with what we're calling, you know, Christianity that really is probably not of the thing itself. Let's pull some of that out. And that's one thing I love. I love the word restoration. Like let's restore this church the way it was meant to be. Yeah. If we were leading out on that a little more strongly, maybe some skeptics wouldn't need to kind of say, I'm not buying it anymore because they would see a church that was already purifying itself. You know, I think a lot of people who go through this probably would say like, would hear a little bit of the conversation we're having and think, yeah, that's all well and good. Like I get that you want to create space for it, but you know, in my local community or wherever, anytime I bring up any questions or whatever, like, I just, I don't know if I want to go through the work of getting mocked or ridiculed or questioned or being like kind of this outcast in my faith community. Like, I'd rather just leave and go somewhere else. Mm. Like, what would you, what would you say to someone who's like, you know, I'm not trying to leave the church, but every time I bring this up, like, it's just causing me, I'm just getting annoyed by all these conversations I'm yeah. having and that sort of thing. That's a, that's a tough one. I think it really has to do with that, that, that local church that they're a part of. But, mm-hmm. you know, my hope would be, my default would always be hang in there, you know? That would be my first reaction, I guess, is to say hang in there and be sure to always check your spirit and your attitude and your humble posture as you come because you're actually bringing a gift and something important to that community that mm-hmm. it's going to help and bless it as much as it blesses you. But if at the end of the day, after enough of that, you feel like you just cannot, it's, it's, it's the thing that actually is no longer lifting your walk, but now it's the lid because you, you're stuck now. It might mean that you need to broaden your circle of friends that are willing to maybe share that with you. It wouldn't have to mean you, you know, leave the church, leave that congregation. I'm very hesitant to sort of endorse someone walking out of the Christian community. Yeah. I think we do that for a lot of silly reasons, but. I really sympathize with the person you just described and I'd be, I'd, I'd ache for them to find a community where they could, you know, grow like that. Kind of moving on, what, what advice would you give someone who's just in the middle of this? And then I would maybe add a second question to that. Like, what advice would you give to maybe a parent or a, a friend who's maybe walking through a loved one with this? So maybe that's a two-part question. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone in the middle of it? I would say just, this is so slippery and tricky be careful to always check your motives. Don't do it inside, you know, in an, in an island or in isolation. Always be talking to others about it who can be honest enough to, to say, you know, it just, you just seem so angry. <laughs> anger, anger is a slippery, crazy thing. And I think I, I honestly see some people that when I hear their deconstruction, I think, oh, this is a pure heart. They're driven by this quest for truth. And I want to help them find Jesus more purely and clean. And I talk to other people who are deconstructing and they mm-hmm. just sound mad. Yeah, They sure. just sound ticked off at everything. 
they don't really want to reconstruct anything. They just want to be mad and angry and uh, it can't move on. And uh, you really can't build a life around what you're angry. You can't mm -hmm. build a life around being bitter or sad. It just, so I would say, I would be, I would say be careful. And then, uh, you know, what, what is the old saying? You, he who fights dragons becomes one. Mm -hmm. If you're constantly fighting dragon, you're going to become one. So just in other words, be be careful you don't become the very thing that you're fighting against. You know, you become just as intolerant, just as angry, just as judgmental as that mm -hmm. horrible church that you had to leave because, you know, yeah. but you're just like them now, you know? Gosh, so it's like, yeah. I would just say, be careful, be careful about that. So, yeah, I think so many of us, yeah, will go through that process of here's all the things that I'm just, you know, kind of ticked off about where the church is at. It's wrapped up in all these cultural issues. And then we kind of come out of it on the other side with, like you said, just that same amount of anger or maybe even legalism or fundamentalism around like now that I've reconstructed with, you know, it's just, it's just a different thing. version of yeah, the same it's a, thing. It's a different version of the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's the motives that's so hard. We're mm -hmm. so, we're so incapable sometimes of really getting to the heart of our motives on why we do things. So that's why community again is so important. If we're pure and driven by the right things, it'll help guarantee that this is positive, healthy maturing rather mm -hmm. than negative, you know, deconstruction that really is coming from a negative place. It, it, and I say that again, because of the fruit, it won't lead you anywhere positive. Yeah. It doesn't like automatically lead to a positive outcome here. You know, and, and I would say also, I, I love what we're seeing in our time, which is people your age, Gil, I, I see a lot of them like, just kind of like doing an end run around generations and centuries of Christian accretions that have been added on and they're like zooming all the way back and they're like stealing stuff out of earlier centuries going yeah. you know what hey before before you know all this these people talked about faith in this way and mm -hmm. it sounds really fresh to me yeah and i, I love that i mean you guys Super are kind of cool. leading the way yeah. in that from what i can see it's like let's just go back and i would say you know that that don't be afraid of you know parts of learning from christians that you know, even if they lived in a pre-scientific, and we, we, we sometimes, I think it was C.S. Lewis accused us sometimes of chronological snobbery, mm -hmm. meaning that I live now, so I'm obviously the smartest human being that's ever lived. That's and right. our generation is everything figured out. You know, it's like, and I, you know, just how's that working out for us? Look at, look at, look at the mess we've yeah. made of things. Are we really that smart? Uh -huh. So it's like, maybe some of these folk in an earlier time understood some things about Jesus and how to walk with him. So some of the desert fathers, some of the some of the, the the fathers and mothers from ancient Christianity that were just like, you know, I, I would say that. I would say, don't be afraid to kind of just like hang out with Jesus and yeah. not worry about all the things we're angry about, about contemporary Christianity. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think even as I look out, some of my contemporaries who are either ministry leaders or like maybe people who even walked through a process of deconstruction and figuring out what they believe and they're kind of coming out on the other side, it's like this yeah, like you said, this generation of young yeah. Christian leaders who are, you know, you've heard of the phrase like traditioned innovation. It's like we're moving forward, not with just like the stuff that our culture has handed we're us. Not, we're or not the making faith up a new foundation dad. here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we're reaching back to this like much deeper, richer, ancient thing and using that to carry it forward into the future. And so it's just beautiful. like it's beautiful. Ancient future. Mm hmm. Ancient future. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fresh orthodoxy, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I love that. And I think that can really help the impulse that leads us 
to a negative deconstruction, it can rescue us and say, there's another way here that other, other, there's nothing new under the sun. And, and mm-hmm. uh, honestly, you know, future historians are going to laugh at us because like, oh, they thought they were doing this unique thing called deconstruction. But you look, it's like, it's exactly what's happened in every epoch and, and era in history. Right. Not a new thing. Yeah, it's not really. Of course, you know, some of the labels and the, the world we live in has unique issues, but the, the issue itself. So mm-hmm. you asked the question then about what, what would, you know, like a parent and, and, so someone who's maybe that boomer parent or whatever, who's got a 20 something or a teenager who's maybe asking some really questions that are you're not sure what to do with. And part of, you know, I know parents, I would say what I wouldn't do is kind of like, ah, freak out and, and like, how dare you, you know, get back to youth group and don't ask questions or whatever. Or I would definitely would not do that. I would try to honor those questions and listen. And James Emery White is a pastor friend of mine. I really respect. He says... You know, there's these two questions that I've used, and uh, he says parents and kids could ask these questions, like ask your ask your young friend or your kid, a, a, a person of any age, what do you think I believe that you no longer believe, and talk about that. Well, I think you think this, da, 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 and, you know, that's a really fascinating. It's going to open some doors and have some great conversation, yeah. and then. Followed up maybe with this question. Hey, I'm curious, what do you believe that you think I probably don't believe? Mm-hmm. And just have a conversation about that. That's cool. And that, let, yes. that does something really, oh my really cool mm-hmm. in between a parent and the kid or, or yeah, a friend and a friend or an intergenerational thing. Like it just kind of opens up a dialogue that wasn't there. Like I was thinking whenever, whenever we don't mention things, in public with one another in conversation, it's a little less like manage- manageable and harder to deal with, right? But there's something about that that kind of opens up a conversation that that's like where this stuff gets worked yeah. out. Yeah, And it doesn't go after an issue like, yeah. here's what I, I know, you're wrong on this thing and let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. It's It just kind of makes space to kind of hear each other out and that's a good starting place. I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. I've seen it work well. That's cool. You've mentioned this reconstruction thing and what it looks like for someone who's maybe yeah coming out of the deconstruction thing and reconstructing what does what does it look like to reconstruct well and in a healthy way Mm. what would you say about that man i don't know again going back to the fruit i think i've seen it i i i know i've done some of that in my own life things that are like you know i i don't know that i believe that same way anymore but i i I feel that this new expression of it is anchored firmly in the truth of God and is born fruit. And so, and I've seen in other people's life, you know, Mountain's got so many people that would say, they would never use these words probably, but that's kind of the process they've gone through. They've, they had to come past something. They had to grow out of something, get rescued from something, kind of figure, a, figure something out from the church they grew up in or the upbringing. And they've landed in this beautiful place where it's like, they're grateful. It's like decluttering a closet. They didn't destroy their closet. They just got rid of some stuff, but they still keep stuff in their closet and they love their closet. And it just feels healthy and vibrant and alive. And I, w- I would say, you know, to someone going through it, think of it that way, maybe. Like you said, the foundations don't have to, don't have to go away because at the end of the day, you're going to build your life on something. We all are. And the more humility we can show instead of quickly latching on to the next thing and announcing that we're the smartest people ever and write about everything, just be humble. And that doesn't mean tentative, that you can be convicted, but be humble. And then 
let the best ideas surface. Truth always has a way of being strong and robust. And so don't be afraid. Let, let, let truth surface and don't confuse local expressions of the church or a pastor's behavior or some headline you read in the news with actually who God is and mm -hmm. who Jesus is and what the church is in its mm -hmm. beautiful, purest forms. Because these are, these are beautiful things that aren't really affected by those other things, those mm -hmm. other temporary things. So I'd say those things I would, I would keep my eye on and, and don't throw the baby out with the, the bathwater. Mm -hmm. When we become, you know, it's like the person who, you know, a woman gets dumped by a guy and she hates all men forever. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. well, I don't know if that's the only conclusion you could come to there. And, and I think a lot of Christians, you know, it's pretty trendy today to say, I had a bad experience or I read this thing about what Christians did with the Crusades or whatever it is, you know, or I read this part of the Bible I don't really like at all. It's all dumb. It's all bad. It's all gone. And it's mm -hmm. like, I, I just, it's just bad logic. It's also doesn't bear fruit in your life. And so I would say be cautious about those kinds of things and try to be honest and be on a genuine search. And people who are genuine and humble and hungry for their search for truth are, are most typically rewarded in life. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all, that's all really wise. Yeah. Good stuff to, to think about. I even think about, you know, my own journey was I went through and, you know, I went off to college and yeah, kind of smacked in a lot of hard questions about faith and culture and all the yucky stuff that was attached to it that we kind of talked about. But mm -hmm. there's something about mm -hmm. Jesus that I found as I was wrestling through all of that stuff that didn't match up for me. I still like, I, I couldn't leave the person of Jesus. Okay. There was something like, no matter how ticked off I was about whatever was going on in the church or the world around me, like uh, you read the gospels. I don't know the Jesus story. Like he was, he was almost even, even more critical and, and ticked off about those same things. And you think about, you know, injustice and, you know, yeah. Lifting up people who are vulnerable yeah. and caring for them and loving people. Like no matter how ticked off I was about the church, like the person of Jesus just stood out as this beacon of like love and care and sacrifice and all of those things that it made it hard for me, I guess, to completely mm -hmm. throw it out because there's really nothing like it, especially in our world right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more and I've had similar thoughts and feelings, you know, before I, you know, this is a pretty serious decision to say, I'm going to be a pastor, you know, I'm going to throw in with this thing, this crazy body of Christ called the church that, mm -hmm. you know, I knew I was entering into at a time when in history it was becoming less and less fashionable to do so. Mm -hmm. That I really believe in, in this, you know, and, and when you talk about Jesus being beautiful, it's like, I actually have this view of the church as really beautiful too, even though I probably, as much as anybody, see the warts and the moles and the wrinkles. You know, I, I love the, the, the story of the, the Christians down in the South. It was, it was a church that I know a lot of people today would have a lot of problem with because I'm sure they were too political. I'm sure they were too fundamentalist for mm -hmm. some people. I'm sure that they were said some things that were just not right and, you know, probably created some church hurt for everything. But they also were this incredibly beautiful, Jesus-loving community. And when a person got baptized there, they came up out of the water and the whole church was there and they hugged them and they, they gathered around them and they would say, you know, my name's Bob. If you ever need anything, you can borrow my truck. I'll fix your tractor, whatever you mm -hmm. need. Now, my name's Susie. I make apple pies. I'm going to bring you an apple pie tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But anytime you need one, I'm your gal. 
and I'll watch your, I'll watch your animals for you. I, you know, I'll come by and mow, you know, and they just went around. They all told something they could share. And somebody watching that was like, what in the world? That was the coolest thing I've ever, he was just bawling his eyes. I thought it was so beautiful. And, he, and, and this old guy, you know, was kicking out the last of the fire with his thumbs and his bib overalls. And he says, well, that's the church. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And, and it's like, you look around and it's like, we're just a bunch of bumpkins here, but we've got enough of Jesus in us that once in a while we get something right. And you see just a little flash of it. And even the church with all of its hurt and toxicity, even sometimes the worst churches have moments of beauty like that. And what if we could, you know, reconstruct the church, you know, to just get a little, to get it a little more right, like you find in the scriptures where it's like this beautiful ride that Mm. looks more like Jesus. Because at the end of the day, Focusing on Jesus and it's all we got. I, I love that story out of, I think it's John chapter six in the New Testament. And he's, he has said some hard things and he's been teaching and everyone's following him and getting bread and, you know, all the miracles are great. But then he says, wow, th- this is some hard stuff. And he, he gives some very hard teaching. And some of the people are like, oh, okay, I, I can't take this anymore. This is too, getting too weird, too hard. And they start walking away. And... So these disciples are left there. The ones who said they were going to follow Jesus are looking at their friends and their family walking away from Jesus. They're looking at Jesus, looking at them, looking at Jesus. They're stuck right in between. And I think that's where a lot of people are right now. They're like, mm-hmm. am I going to, what, you know, there's people that are not buying this and are deconstructing and walking away. And what am I going to do? And Jesus looks right at them and says, how about you too? You want to leave too? You can walk away. You want to leave? And I think it was Peter who says those words, like you just said. Where? Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life, you know. And I, and I guess I would just say that to someone who's wanting to dismantle some of the things of the faith. I think, remember, a lot of that can be really good and, and, and right. But at the end of the day, where else, are, if you take the Jesus part out, you know, where else are you going to go exactly? And uh, I think it's enough to discuss, you know, to construct a life on. It's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful and winsome. And I can't really find anything that's better, you know. And I also think it's true. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good way to kind of wrap up this conversation. I love what you said. It's just like, that's how I feel too. The church is this thing that's like, it's so messy and, and weird to work through all this stuff together and frustrating at times. But there's, yeah, there's something about Jesus that he's like in front of us and he's he's reconstructing us. He's going to help us reconstruct and get to where we need to go, even given our our blemishes and our our craziness and all our ideas. And so that's a really beautiful thing. That's I think that ought to ought to give a lot of hope and I think comfort to a lot of people who are maybe walking through this sort of thing. So Ben, thanks thanks on behalf of, you know. Man, I hope it's been helpful. It sure was know. helpful to me. It made me want to kind of keep you know, building the right kind of faith. It was helpful to someone else too. I'm so grateful that Ben is someone who's willing to talk about and address topics like this one in an honest and thoughtful way. We recognize that there is a whole lot more that we could say on this topic. And I just want to reiterate what Ben reminded us that the church and our community at Mountain in particular is a safe place for you to process these things alongside others, wherever this podcast finds you. Our door is always open as you continue exploring your faith and asking questions. So feel free to reach out and connect anytime. The best way for you to do that is through the email there in the show notes where you can find plenty of other great resources to get connected or ask any questions you might have. Thanks again for joining in and we'll see you next time.